Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. I had prepared something for today and I was very excited about it. I have a source sheet and everything ready to go. And then I was reading through Nechama Leibovitz on this week's Parsha because I was, I was going to do something on Kitisa. Uh, and it just really spoke to me. And so I wanted to share it with you. So this is, I did not create a source sheet. Um, and this is, I'm going to be reading it out of the book that I read it in. Uh, and I'm hoping that we can have a little bit of a conversation about the different commentaries that she offers on this piece of text from, from Parsha Vayakel. So there's a really beautiful, again, kind of recapitulation from, from weeks before about what the people gave and how they gave towards the Mishkan. So if you want to look in a Chumash, you can. It's Exodus chapter 35, verses 21 through 29. So I'm going to read them, um, and I'm reading them out of Nechama Leibovitz's book. So if you have this book, Hermans, you can read out of this with me if you'd like, but if you don't have this book, then you can just read it in a Chumash. Diana shook her head that they don't have this book. This is the only book the Hermans do not own. Okay, so... Chapter 35, verses 21 through 29 of Exodus. If you want to follow along, you don't have to. And this is what these are. This is what these verses say. And they came, every person whose heart stirred them up and everyone whose spirit made willing. They brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted. They brought clasps and earrings and signet rings, and every person who had in their possession blue and purple and scarlet wool brought. Everyone that set apart an offering of silver and bronze brought the Lord's offering. And every man who had in his possession shittim wood, it's a type of wood, for any work of the service brought. And all the women that were wise-hearted did spin and brought that which they had spun, both of blue and of purple. And the chieftains brought onyx stones and stones to be set. Every man and woman whose heart moved them to bring for all the work which the Lord had commanded to do by the hand of Moses, the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord." So first, I want to point out a few Hebrew phrases to you that are interesting to me, and then I'm curious to hear what you think of this passage that we just read. And I recognize, because I didn't read it in a chumash, she has um, ellipses at the ends of some of her sentences, so it's possible that I jumped around a little bit, and I'm sorry about that. I um, I didn't think about that. So one of these phrases is, nadva rucho oto. So to be nadiv is to be connected to or close to. Um, and the way that, that it's translated here is whose spirit made willing. Okay. Another phrase that I found quite interesting is nadiv lev. So using that same root of nadva or nadiv and saying that they are willing hearted or somehow connected with their heart. There's one other phrase just trying to find it inside the text here. 
nadav libam. Okay, so we're using this word nadav, but now we're talking about libam in the plural. So that their heart to, as a collective was somehow connected or willing. So those are the three faiths. Phrases. There's one at the end as well, nedava ladonai, but it's just describing something. So I didn't find it as um, as interesting of a phrase. Those are the three phrases that really caught my eye. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts as to what's going on here. What are the people doing, and why is it important? Why is it important that they're willing of heart? So you're able to unmute, but raise your hand so I can call on you. Yeah, Larry. Did you say Larry? Yeah. I did. Okay. And so I, something something strikes me because you read you read the first I think it's the first twenty verses for the or maybe a little bit less yeah um, as part of Mincha and my thought as you were reading is wow what a boring reading and what boring trope <laughs> but then you get to verse twenty and I'm not going to do it because I can't do it I wish Rick were here. It's explosive. The trope are just fantastic. Yeah. Twenty one starts off with a with 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 a um, zakef gadol, um, and then goes immediately into a paz, uh, after the anacha a pazer a tilishad ketana uh, a my favorite kadmava azla. There's another tilisha um, gidola after that, and it's the phrase that says, "And everyone." And now I'm going to read the translation here in the Eschayim who excelled in ability and everyone whose spirit moved him to come bringing to the Lord his offer. It's like he's the, the text is screaming out that this volunteerism, that this is something that is really, truly exciting. Great. Beautiful. So and what I thought you were going to say, and you didn't say it, so I'll, I'll add to it, is that I read the first 20 verses, and now we're learning the next 20 verses. So I kind of stopped right before what we were going to learn. Um, but Larry's exactly right, that there's all of these moments that come in what I read as part of the service are repetition of what we've heard before and just kind of like, okay, follow this to-do list, this color, this thing, put it here, do it there. And so it's kind of boring and sounding. It's very easy when you're reading off the cuff, but it's boring and sound, right? And then you get to this next part and it's just, it not only sounds expressive, but it's clearly trying to get us to understand what the people were feeling, not just what they were doing. So I I love that you brought in the trope and I'm sure Rick would as well. He's rubbing off on you. Um, But but that's a very, very powerful way of looking at this. Um, Joanna and then Gary and then Alan. So for me, this passage is very much in contrast to the beginning of the parsha we read this morning, Kitisa mm-hmm. and the Machatzita Shekel. Mm-hmm. And so, and also even in the, in the language around like the body parts, because Machatzita Shekel is, um, you're doing like kapara for your nefesh, a, a ransom Being for your soul, right? Yeah. And it, it, it makes it feel much more required. And the machatit shekel was exactly the same for everyone. And this seems to be 
a, a much more joyous giving, something that you're moved to do through your heart, Nadiv mm-hmm. Lev. And also the fact that all of these offerings, you know, we get all these detail about all these different offerings. And it feels like people br- brought something that was like close to them, that it was special to them to bring it. It wasn't just sort of this uniform machatita shekel required ransom. Great. So we're going to we're going to bring that that piece up later of what people brought of themselves and how different that is from when you're creating a building and you just need, you know, a two by four over here and a wooden shelf over there. But they're really bringing things of themselves to create this Mishkan. Now, also akin to this morning's um, Parsha, that's how the golden calf was also built right? The golden calf was built from things that people brought. Now, God didn't ask them to bring them, so that's where it's different, but they were brought because the people had them, and they were they were precious to the people, and so they used them for that golden calf. So I love the connections there that you're making to, the, to this morning's Parsha. Gary, Allen, Carl. Uh, you took my thunder. I was saying, I don't know how the Israelis had so much stuff, because everything that was valuable, important, all the gold and everything else went for that calf. Yeah. And so, and that, so I'm just trying to say, yeah, there, there, there was maybe not the intent and the feeling and the love and the giving, mm-hmm. but it was, I mean, they, they basically, the, uh, the, these Israelite, the Israelites gave their stuff. Again, this is yeah. a reputation. Great, great. Well, I'm glad you repeated because it's a whole Parsha of repetition. So it's good that you repeated. Um, but yeah, it's, it is a very different kind of giving. And you wonder, I, I always go back to, you know, where did dolphin skins come from? You go back to where did all these resources come from? How did they have these resources? Now, we, we do know that they were probably wealthy in Egypt. So it's possible that they kept what they had in Egypt, they also stole from the Egyptians. We don't tend to talk about that. Um, so that it's possible that some of what they were using, whether for the golden calf or for the Mishkan, came from their time in Egypt. But we don't know. It's a great question. Alan. Oh, you're muted. You're muted. <laughs> there you go. There's two points. First, there's a dichotomy in the golden calf when it's, when it's Aaron is saying, bring it to me. Yeah. Bring it to me so I can create something like this. Mm-hmm. And here you've got the, um, uh, the the people are bringing it to the artisans on their own free will to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And this is also, and the second point is, this is the favorite um, Parsha for Jewish fundraisers. Because <laughs> they talk about there was so much volunteering that there was so much, we have enough. Don't bring any more. We have too much. We have too much. Yeah. May it always be so. I was just going to say that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Carl. So I think this is one of these places where it's it's interesting to think of what it doesn't stay, what it might have said. Mm -hmm. And people have already put their finger on the two key attributes here is that they were voluntary donations and that they came from people's own possessions or holdings mm-hmm. but uh it it might have said uh those whose hearts were willing would form a raiding party and go out and steal it from their neighbors mm-hmm. or a harvesting party and go out and cut down some trees for the lumber mm-hmm. uh, i don't know if there were any trees where they were 
Um, there were no dolphins either, so it's okay. We can go with it. It, it doesn't quite deal to me with the question of, well, what did they do with the things they had too many of? Mm-hmm. And in particular, all those gemstones that were being donated, they only needed one each of 12 stones. That's that's it for jewelry stuff. And it sounds like they got a lot more, but okay, we'll let that pass. And the verses you read us didn't say anything about donations of dolphin skins. I've always wondered where they came from. <laughs> That's something people had, or did they have? If if they really were dolphin skins, yeah, they weren't. <laughs> no, probably something else. Okay, that part will be a mystery too. Then, yeah, a mystery to all of us. It's a good thing to bring up every year so that people remember how kind of ridiculous it sounds. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great point about the ex the extraneous um, resources and and what happened to them. It's possible that they were used to then build other types of Mishkan-like elements. It's possible they were used to buy things once they left the Midbar, right? It it does come up in, this week is a double Parsha, so it does come up in Pekude, actually, um, but not what they do with them, just the fact that there is so much. Paula and then Diane. Diane with her new haircut. Paula. Uh, Hi, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Um, so, you know, what strikes me is that women are included. It's men yeah. and women, mm-hmm. right? All whose hearts move them in both line 22 and um, in line 29. Mm-hmm. So both, and that's, and it's not just the Israelites, it's thus the Israelites, all men and women whose hearts move them to bring anything. So I think that's really the fact that it's included. As yeah. Opposed to not being included. Yeah, it, it's, it is a wonderful piece of our story where the women are brought to the forefront. And it doesn't just say everybody. It's very clear. It was the men and the women, right? Which means, of course, in today's world, when we have many different definitions of gender, the right. men and women... Binary. Just, it's too binary. Right. But it, but it does just mean complete, right? It just means everybody. Men and women, what they're saying is everyone was included. So men, women, children of, you know, of both male and and female, um, everybody was included and everybody gave. So they gave different things, but everybody gave. Hello, Cantor Chorney. Uh, Diane, and then we're going to do the um, the few commentaries. So I want to go back to the golden calf and sort of make a comparison here. Yeah. There's something very human about um, this desire to give for some tangible thing um, and it's like their energies have been redirected towards mm-hmm. this tangible thing. They, they First, they wanted the golden calf, and obviously that wasn't the right tangible thing to create. Yeah, This one is, and so their energies have been redirected. I just want to make the comparison to when we reconstructed the synagogue in Mozambique, mm-hmm. and people gave not only of money, but even non-Jewish contractors gave of their time and their materials at cost mm-hmm. um, in, in a voluntary way. And I, it, it's something about creating legacies uh, by giving. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And I love the idea of giving of time because sometimes that's all people can give, right? They can't always give 
monetarily or even with resources, but people can always give time because we all share time. So you can always, you can always give in that way. So this is a Ramban that Nechama Leibovitz um, quotes that I had never heard and really just strikes me specifically. It strikes me as an educator, but it also strikes me because I would have never thought of giving or of the act of knowing what to give in this way. So this is what the Ramban says. The stirring up of the heart implies the arousing of their capacity to undertake the work. For none had ever learned these skills before from any teacher, nor had ever practiced them before. But each one discovered their natural talent or aptitude for the task, their heart rising, as it were, to the divine challenge, enabling them to come into Moses's presence and say, I can do it. I love this idea that the people had to, knew that they had to say, I'm all in. But then by saying, I'm all in, they learned what they were good at. They showed up. And then they discovered what they could give. They discovered they were good at crafting or they discovered they were good at organizing or they discovered that they had a trough full of gold or whatever it was. They discovered something about themselves by saying, I'll jump in. And it reminds me so much of Nachshon, that that Nachshon took the first step into the ocean not knowing what was going to happen, but that enabled everybody else to be able to come to freedom, to go through the ocean with him. And he came to to recognize his leadership abilities in taking that step. Not because he knew he was a leader before, he took the step and then recognized that he was a leader. It also reminds me of Naaseh and Ishmael. We don't always know what parts of Judaism are going to speak to us until we try them. We don't know if keeping kosher is going to be meaningful or keeping Shabbat is going to be meaningful or learning Torah is going to be meaningful. But if you do it and you try it, you might just begin to find that as something that is meaningful. So we're going to we're going to move on in our service. But I, I hope that that is a I hope that that is a teaching that that carries you through this week's Parsha, because I think that it teaches each one of us what it means to give. It doesn't always mean to come to the table with something you can give. It means to come to the table and then to decide what it is that you're able to give. And that, to me, is just a very special way of being in community and being someone who's involved in helping and in giving. So thank you all for for listening to this and, um, and learning this with me anew. Uh, and I hope that you're all able to think about ways that you that you come to the table to be able to find out how you can give. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to TBA. LA.org.